This is the Craft of Coaching podcast, where you'll learn about how to become a life coach with a strong skill set through understanding the craft of coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda, also known as Kate Courageous. As the director of a life coach training program called the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program, I'm passionate about the craft of coaching and how we evolve the skills and the industry. Learn more about our program at teamclcc.com. And here's today's episode. Here we go, everybody. Today's topic, the quote-unquote uncoachable client, aka really extreme resistance. I thought it'd be a good idea to do a follow-up on this because in the most recent prior episode to this one, I talk about powerful group coaching and what to do because somebody had written in to us and said, you know, I have this group coaching thing going on and the group is not quite cohering with one another. There's no unity. What do I do about that? And I ended that podcast episode by saying, well, reminding us all that as a coach, if you become a coach, if you're a newly emerging coach, even if you've been practicing it for a long time, your job is not to motivate clients. You're not turning into a motivational speaker as a coach. It's one of the hugest, most annoying (laughs) perceptions of the industry that exists, that coaches are cheerleaders, that all we do is you get on the phone and you talk to a coach and we're like, but you can do it. You can do it. I know you can. No, that's not what we're doing. (laughs) There's a little bit of my California Valley girl voice. That's not what we're doing as coaches. We are not motivating people. We're not cheerleading people. By all means, validation is an effective tool. And this is not some coachy-coachy thing. Go look at research. Validation and noticing and acknowledging people's strengths is effective in communication. It's effective around productivity and efficiency. It's effective in terms of your own self-talk. They've done studies with athletes where when athletes have positive self-talk, where they notice and validate things about themselves that they're doing well, they perform better. It's not some cheerleadery thing to notice the positive and validate that for a client. But you also can't motivate clients. You can't make them want it. You can't spin something in the air, and it's not healthy if you try, to get them to do the things that they need to do in their lives. Motivation has to be intrinsic. It has to be internal. It has to come from within. Your job as a coach is not to motivate people. Your job is to really help hold that space for what the client says that they want and to not get caught up in their own fear, in their own pattern. Sometimes that means you recognize the places that they cannot see and you reflect that to them so that they can see it. Sometimes it's, it's helping clients to clarify what they even want in the first place. But you're not motivating people. People have to be self-motivated on some level. They have to want it enough to do something about it. Anyone who has not bought into their own vision of what they want for their lives or who, if they don't feel like they know what that vision is, anybody who is not willing to go, I'm going to figure this out. It's important to me to know what, you know, it looks like to live a fulfilled, purpose-driven life. 
anyone who who isn't bought into that on their own in a group you, you know you spend x amount of time on interventions trying to help trying to get them to see that they are standing in their own way and then you let go because they have to choose and the same thing is true with one-on-one -on -one clients and that's why I wanted to talk today about the quote-unquote uncoachable client which really is me talking about extreme resistance. So, okay, first, uh, ugh, this label, the quote-unquote uncoachable client, not my favorite either. I don't like cheerleading, <laughs> and I don't like the idea of clients being labeled as quote-unquote uncoachable. In the Courageous Living Coach Certification, which is the coach certification program that I am the director of, we consciously talk about not using tough love with clients and not using that label of uncoachable. Instead, we talk about recognizing that when somebody is what the industry would tr typically call uncoachable, when somebody's in that space exhibiting those kinds of behaviors, not taking action, self-sabotage, really pessimistic, stuff like that, they're in extreme resistance. They're really, really afraid. And there are all of these awful memes really out there like if you know if if you don't want it badly enough you know if if you don't take action you must not want it badly enough and sure on some level that's true on some level that's true but i think there's a much bigger picture a much more compassionate less aggressive picture less um, I mean, that, that picture is just so black and white. It's either one or it's the other. There's no in-between with that. With You know, you want, it, you want it badly enough, you'll take the action. Sometimes people really, 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 really want things badly, and they don't know how to take action. Or they think they are taking action, and they don't even realize they're not taking action. Or they're so stuck in their fear that taking action feels impossible. And it's not about how badly they want it. It's about the stuckness. So in our program, we talk a lot about instead of tough love, instead of going with this really aggressive, you know, shit or get off the pot mentality, let's go with confronting with kindness. That's my job as a coach. When I see that a client is hesitating over and over to take any action, even though I know she's prepared, or when somebody is not showing up for sessions on time because they're procrastinating and they just really are, yeah. whenever those behaviors come up, we need to have compassion. Instead of labeling someone as uncoachable and writing them off, or the equally arrogant firing your clients, <laughs> firing your clients, I'm sorry, that term drives me crazy too, because like, I don't fire my clients anytime I've ever said that we can't work together. They pay me. How is it firing? What? It doesn't even make sense. And it feels like this weird, again, I'll use the word aggressive power grab. And I'm not interested in power grabs. I'm interested in showing up for my one-on-one -on -one clients or my group coaching clients, anyone who's in that client space uh, with just as much unconditional positive regard as I can muster. Like, why would I show up with anything else? Because in that unconditional positive regard, I can still say to someone, I can still confront them with kindness and say, here are the things that I see where you're working against yourself. So the uncoachable client extreme resistance, in my opinion, I'm going to put my stake in the ground on this one here, 
Kate Swoboda, Craft of Coaching, been a coach for more than a decade, and I would love it if the industry would do away with this nonsense about an uncoachable client. I think it's a terrible label to put on a human being. It lacks compassion, and it doesn't have a lot of empathy for the very real fear and resistance that someone might be feeling. Now let's get into, okay, got it, Kate, right? Like, here's the next piece. I know that I don't want to do the tough love thing. I don't want to shame my clients into different behavior. I want to be compassionate. But what do I do when someone's really, really, really stuck in their resistance? Well, again, first thing that you need to remember is that you can't actually motivate people. Not really, really. Their motivation has to be internal. So unhook from this idea that you as coach have to have a bag of tricks to work on a client. This is something we talk about in the CLCC a lot, that in any co-created relationship, two people both have to be showing up for the success of the relationship. The coach has to show up, the client has to show up. And one of the things the client has to show up with for the most successful possible relationship is their desire for change. And if they don't have a desire for change, of course, you can, you know, lovingly release them. You can say, you know, I don't know that it's going to be very effective for us to, to do coaching right now. And that's an okay, that's an okay talk to have with a client. And a couple times when I've had those talks with clients, they've said, oh, I'm really kind of realizing here, like, I want something different for myself as well. Let me really get my head in the game of this. And other times clients have agreed and have said, yeah, I don't think it's the right time for coaching. And I feel like that's a a much more human way to treat someone. So you can't actually motivate people. Release the idea that it is your job to somehow (laughs) razzle-dazzle a client into changing her life. It's not. She's got to want to change her life. Let's say that you got a client, though, who wants to change her life, and she's got a lot of resistance. Maybe it's showing up as things like not showing up for sessions on time. Often coaches will offer practices in between sessions to keep the work going. I do. Everybody we train, we encourage that. Um, maybe they're not doing their practices in between sessions. Maybe they're, maybe, sometimes resistance shows up as extreme anger or extreme sadness. Sometimes that gets projected onto the coach. However, that resistance is showing up. (sighs) Big deep breaths and come back to what the client wants. I think it's really important and we train people in the CLCC to really emphasize beginning client work together with really understanding and getting a clear picture of the client's big picture goals. So what is it they want to do over the course of, say, three months of working with you? What what are they really wanting to get out of the coaching experience? And then our encouragement is on a, an individual session-by-session level. At the top of an hour with a client, Okay, so your primary focus for us working together is you want to get unhooked from the overwhelm. What is it that you actually really want to work on just during today's session related to unhooking from overwhelm? What's been coming up for you? 
whenever you are continually aligning with that vision for what the client said that they wanted and, and, and staying the track with that, referring back to it with different touch points, then you remind the client of it as well. It keeps the work focused and it becomes that, that grounded, anchored place to keep returning to even as life throws its inevitable challenges your client's way while they're trying to change something or shift something in their lives that's really specific. It, imagine if you're a career coach. If you, from the outset, help your client to paint a really specific vision of what it's going to look like when they have transitioned into a career that feels more fulfilling, more aligned with their life, Whatever those metrics might be, whether it's not having a commute or showing up each day to lead a team rather than just be part of a team, whatever that's going to look like for the client, that's your anchor point. That's the point that you return to in the middle of resistance. Because here's another thing that people often don't think about. Resistance is not wrong. I'll say that again. Resistance is not wrong. Too often in the coaching industry, resistance is bad, not being resistant is good. These binary relationships get set up between you know, the edge states that we're bumping up against when we're trying to move into a different space and the person that we have always been. And it's just not very nuanced. It's not very human. Think about your own experience for a moment. Having resistance along the way is, is just such a normal part of change that I just don't even understand why we try to make it wrong. Instead of making it wrong, how about we go, what is this here to teach us? How about we go, what am I being called into and, and why is the re how is the resistance a protection of the old? I mean, isn't it a really natural response to be afraid of shifting, to be afraid of change? That's what resistance is trying to protect. When somebody in the Courageous Living Coach certification is considering becoming a coach and it's really landing like, oh, like if I change careers here, how I identify myself at a party, how, what I talk to my family about, what I do, all that's going to change. There could be financial insecurity while I'm getting a business up and going. All those things are, are part of the process of moving into a new way of being. And the resistance that comes up that might have a coach abandon working on her website for a while or just really not put her all into trying to tell people what she's up to, wh wh however it shows up. Maybe it shows up as like total avoidance and a Netflix binge. However that resistance shows up, it's trying to protect the old way of being. Because if that procrastination pops up, if you don't tell people, hey, here's what I'm moving into now, if you, in essence, don't do the things that you need to do to move into the new way of being, if the resistance keeps you where you are, then that scary process of change doesn't need to happen. And for all that we talk about how much we might want our lives to change, the unknown can be a very scary thing. And we might think we want our lives to change, yet feel stuck in a very real way around our fear of the unknown. That doesn't make you uncoachable. You are not a hopeless case. 
It makes you really normal. It makes you really human. And your power will always lie in any kind of an alliance or co-created relationship that you can create where, whether it's with a coach or with anyone else, where someone is holding space outside of that resistance for you. That's really one of the most powerful things that coaching can provide. I will not collude with your resistance. I will not go over there to the resistance and say, ah, yes, resistance is true. What's the point? And I'm also not going to bypass the resistance. I'm not your cheerleader. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, that pesky resistance. It doesn't know what it's talking about. You're so equipped. You can do it. It's, it's so much more nuanced than that. And that's okay. Because you are a human being having a human experience. And so are your clients. We're all just, as Ram Das says, walking one another home. Part of what you are going to encounter on that walk is extreme resistance. And that is just how it goes. At the same time, because I know that many people who are listening to this podcast are people who are just starting out as coaches or people who are listening and they've already got a coaching business going and, and they're just navigating day to day, professional boundaries in the face of resistance are important. I think that a little bit the way I do, you know, if you're teaching in a classroom and you have some students who keep trying to turn in work late. That decreases your overall efficiency. A co-created relationship is one where everybody has come to the table saying, these are the guidelines that we're going to use for this relationship. This is how we're setting it up. This is how we're planning to work together. And professional boundaries are important. I have had any number of clients who felt resistance show up as anger if any of them ever started to direct their anger at me, that wouldn't work for me. I have had clients whose resistance showed up as not doing their practices. That I can work with a little more. It's their choice. It's their progress. They're going to get more out of everything if they are doing the practices between sessions. And I will speak into that. But I'm not going to browbeat, certainly. There are times where resistance shows up as just kind of a lack of enthusiasm for coaching. I'm kind of like, well, you know, I guess, I don't know. And I speak into that as well. And there's a certain amount of that that I will also keep showing up for. And I'll say, you know, like this, this might be a phase. I'm willing to work with it for a little while. And yeah, if that were to keep going on and going on and going on, eventually I would need to have a professional boundary and say, I've noticed that the energy of our sessions over time, it keeps feeling like I'm pulling you along and I can't pull you along. This has got to be your gig. And that would be a moment right there where rather than going to some terrible label about someone being uncoachable, the conversation would be, why did you start with a coach in the first place? What is it you're so excited and hungry to change? And maybe it might even need to be a look at what are the costs if things don't change? I don't like to go fear-driven as a motivation for behavior, but on a pragmatic level, there are some very real costs for people when they continue with behaviors that just aren't working for them. And a reminder of what those could be can sometimes be really helpful. So leading with love, leading with compassion, leading with that unconditional positive regard for your clients. That I think is what 
really creates the kind of coaching relationship where someone can truly change. You can't make someone do it, you can't force them to do it, but you can definitely do some things that set a container for a client to have a really profound breakthrough, and it's an honor to be part of that. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can always find more about the Courageous Living Coach Certification over at teamclcc.com. I'm also at Facilitate with Impact and yourcourageouslife.com. My book, The Courage Habit, is available at Amazon and fine booksellers everywhere. And I'm all over social media. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash yourcourageouslife or on Instagram, my new fave at uh, instagram.com forward slash Kate Courageous. Again, thanks so much for listening.